Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 67 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Second Technician Fossil Forester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are the Head of Station Entertainment, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Hello? <laughs> Sorry, you my surprise. <laughs> you, you almost never come to me first, and I was thinking, I'll just send out a tweet on the Lave Radio Twitter account. Oh, that's what I love. True professionalism, yeah. that's what we've got here. We've also uh, hello, got- hello. <laughs> We've also got the Chief Bar Steward, Mr. Grant Psycho Cow Wilcott, joining us. Good evening. Good Salted evening, nuts, Grant. Salted nuts? Yeah. I'll just have a half a lager, please, if you wouldn't mind. I'm fine. I, I, I just had a bath, so I'm fine. <laughs> we have Head of Station Archives, uh, Mr. Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. Ooh, 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 Colin, Colin, please sort out that microphone. Oh, is this okay? Yes, that's much better. Thank you very much. You've just right, deafened okay. half the internet. Excellent. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Colin. And finally, fresh off the plane and full of jet lag, Lave Station's resident test pilot, Mr. John Crash Virgo is joining us. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Life? Yes. Hello. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the show, John. I'm sure you've got lots of E3 goodness to tell us about, have you? Squee! <laughs> yeah, I thought you might have. Okay, well, if you wish, you can join us live. I was trying to get Mr. Jarvis to hang outside of Lave Station in just a private group, Fozza, and you should see him flying around. If you'd like to join us in the IRC chat channel, you can. It's hashtag Lave forward slash, no, try that again. It's hashtag Lave dash radio on QuakeNet, and you can access that through the Lave Radio page. Or you can tweet us at Lave Radio with questions, and we'll try to answer them towards the end of the show. Okay, without further ado, we will go straight into an advert and then back development news come on <laughs> i spend so much time in my imperial trader i find it really hard to meet people i mean when do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military but with venusdating.com it was so simple i just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match i really thought it would be difficult but Venus dating made it so simple, with so much in common. We both liked movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... (laughs) Shooting (laughs) Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. So uh, let's maybe go into the dev update that's been provided by uh, Mr. Michael Brooks. Uh, the interesting thing about this one is that it was no, on no newsletter. We've, we've disappeared from the newsletter and we've gone straight onto the community uh, blog pages. Has everybody managed to navigate their way to the community website and, and find Mr. Mr. Brooks's update? Mm, yes, indeedy. Although I did have a heads up, so that's unfair. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd realise the. Uh, well, the newsletters stopping completely, are they? No, I think the newsletters have stopped just whilst everybody's been at E3. Nobody's uh, been around okay. in the office to actually write them. So um, yeah, um, John was uh, was Mr. Brooks at E3 or was he also uh, left at home again? Oh no, he was he was left at home. But oh, uh, <laughs> well, Mike Gaffer tends to put the uh, the newsletter together, so he was with us. Uh, so yeah, like you said, no one was really available back in the UK to write this stuff up whilst we were away. And of course, yeah. all the big announcements were being held back for E3 anyway so I see I always I was always slightly sorry for Mr Brooks because he, he never gets to go to any of the exotic places he always he's always the, the safe steady pair of hands that they leave the keys <laughs> to the house with you know 
Uh, it never gets to go anywhere glamorous and exciting, apart from the fact that he has been confirmed that he is coming to LaveCon in a few weeks' time. So, you know, they let him out for LaveCon, but uh, you know, for the likes of E3 or the German shows or anything like that, he's left holding the keys to the house, which it's always always makes me quite sad, because I think he'd be great front of camera. That beard, I think, is just a, it's a wonderful aesthetic that the company should put out there. <laughs> so on to uh, the newsletter again to be honest most of this uh, we talked about last week he's mainly talking about the CQC the close quarter championships and uh, the rationale about bringing it to the consoles uh, and just talking basically about why it is that they made that decision um, now I haven't had a chance to catch up with last week's show but I'm assuming you guys talked at length about uh, CQC last week did you? Well, uh, it- Go on, Grant, you first. Sorry, but no, not, not really, because none of us had uh, a chance, other than the sort of discussion about it coming out on Xbox and the need for the Xbox to have something, some, some kind of enticement and something special and exclusive to be part of it, just to give it that extra value. Um, but, you know, without having any details on it or not being able to see it, it's kind of difficult to pass any judgments on it. Hmm. I mean, what Michael focuses on is so things like, you know, the controllers are obviously different. The controllers are obviously different between consoles and PC and Mac. So they needed to adapt the game so it could be played well with a controller. He also wanted to make sure that the controls were not simplified into some sort of lesser game. So they've said that the game on the Xbox One is the same game as on PC and Mac. Now, Colin, you've got your Xbox One there. You've got the game booted up. Can you confirm that this is actually the case? Yeah, the controls are completely different and I've already died once <laughs> I have just literally oh, okay. exploded <laughs> mostly because uh, I'm, I just cannot get my head around how you how the, the Xbox controller works I know that this, there's a couple of double functions here that I haven't got the hang of yet and um, so far that's that's one hit into the into the um, into the station side, and one head-on crunch from a, a python in a combat zone. So I'm not doing all that well. Right, okay. So should we just say, I mean, this is a little bit off-topic, but obviously you're struggling with the standard Xbox controller, and at E3, uh, Microsoft announced the Xbox Elite controller. Uh, nice little tie-in there, but the, 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 the pro controller for the Xbox, where you have sort of uh, flappy paddles on the back and lots of extra configurable buttons. As you're struggling with the standard controller, do you think this new Elite controller is going to make your life any easier playing Elite on the Xbox One? Um, well, I've looked over the Elite controller, and even though it actually hasn't got anything to do with Elite, it's, it's just called the Elite controller. What's in a name? Yeah, well, I got told off quite a lot by the chat room last time uh, about, about the fact that I didn't seem to know what I was talking about, so I decided to look it up. Um, the, um, the paddles will come in useful uh, just for the extra, um, extra mapping, I think. Yeah. Because one of the things that I am struggling with is, is remembering which key combinations cause what. Right. Okay, so talk us through that. What do you mean by that? What button presses? I mean, is it yeah. a combination of buttons you need to press to do one function? or? Yes, uh, there is. For example, for the landing gear, um, you have to hold down, uh, I think it, it's B, and then the down on the D-pad, not on, the, uh, on any of the analog sticks. Ah. Uh, and I've, I've come to the conclusion that if you've got a hot-ass controller and you're playing against someone with a uh, an Xbox controller, I think you've got a distinct advantage with with your hot ass. <laughs> because um, 
there is a there is a your switch because it, it, you you've got a choice of either rolling and pitching and and pitching, or you hit the your switch and you've got rolling and yawing. Uh, sorry, pitching and yawing, and you can just imagine that means you can't uh, yaw and. Uh, roll at the same time, which gives you a little bit of an advantage in dogfight, I think. Interesting. We'll have to see how that pans out. I mean, there are hot-ass options available for both the PlayStation 4 and the uh, Xbox One, aren't there? Yes, I mean, those are going to be coming, and we've we've seen the adverts for it. Um, However, uh, (laughs) I don't think you can take your standard X52 and plug it straight into the back of the Xbox. Okay, well, yeah, I wish you could. Um, but it'll be interesting what comes out on the market. Um, they've also pointed out, Michael's also pointed out, is that, that you know, having this controller option is also a win for those people who are playing with virtual reality. And, yeah, the other thing that came out of E3 was obviously the, the headsets and stuff. We've seen the Oculus Rift that's announced when it's going to be uh, being launched. You know, Microsoft and Valve have got their HTC. Uh, someone remind me what it's called. Vive. Vive, that's it. Um, all of these things, you'd imagine that Frontier have been very good in terms of supporting the virtual reality stuff, so you'd imagine these things are going to be supported as soon as they appear on the market. So do you reckon it's going to be easier playing virtual reality with that sort of console setup? People are missing a trick with these virtual reality controllers because I've got a mate who, for Father's Day, was bought a Nintendo Power Glove. <laughs> and clearly, clearly that's what you need if you're wearing something like the Rift, is a huge, bulky robot glove with an NES controller on the back. So that would solve all your problems. So good, it's bad. Veronic, then, aren't we? Yeah. But I think, no, I mean, I second, I second though, the point about how awkward the uh, Xbox controller is, because I, I picked up an Xbox controller for the PC um, to, uh, to play Batman, which we won't go into, because it's a, it's a horrible travesty and I'm still crying about it. But um, <laughs> because I wanted to obviously see how the controller worked with Windows and stuff, I tried playing Elite with the controller because I knew it supported it. And it's just, it's like Colin says, I mean, you just crash into everything. And it's, but I don't know. I mean, if you, I suppose if you learn to fly from the, you know, from the start, with a controller like that, maybe you're okay. And um, and I suppose the point about, you know, different people on different control systems having an advantage, of course they have said that we're not going to meet any of the Xbox players in the PC yeah. universe and vice versa, even though it's the same back end. So... I don't know. It only becomes an issue for those, and you'd imagine it's going to be a small percentage of people that are going to get a, a hot ass for a PlayStation 4 or a hot ass for you know the Xbox One. Um, so maybe shouldn't tip the balance too much in their favour. Yeah, but those those minority of players are going to have a huge uh, step up, aren't they? Well, this is what we'll have to see. It'd be interesting to see whether or not uh, Frontier will be able to keep any of the. Um, uh, you know the data on that, whether or not it's actually collected as to what people are playing with. You'd imagine it would be. Mm. I think I think they they already have. They've been doing a lot of stats and analysis on that. I will say though, I basically I'm not I'm not not I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I basically had a a few days to practice on the controller, and I found it okay. So really? I think it's just yeah yeah I found it fun. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was <laughs> basically thrown in the deep end last Friday, uh, and then a couple of days later, I was demoing it. So you know, it, was, <laughs> it, it was kind of uh, sink or swim. But yeah, I mean, I, I found it okay. I, I think you know the new the UI pop up panels that come up for the face buttons. I think they they work really well. And um, once you get used to them, and you know, when, when you go back to the the first day, I got hold of uh, an X fifty two. I absolutely panicked. I think I just spent over a hundred pen on this controller, and oh my! But then after a week, I was fine with it. So I, I think it's, it's like anything: it's you practice, you get used to it. You know. Yeah, I think we will watch this space. I mean, Colin, you've obviously got it. You keep uh, plugging away at it for the next couple of weeks, and we'll get you back on the show and see whether or not you still uh, you're still crashing into the side of stations, or whether or not you've actually managed to tame the beast that is that controller. Well, uh, I'm playing live at the moment, so if anybody wants to come to System LHS three four four seven, and and put me out of my misery. Feel free. <laughs> okay, it'll be interesting to actually see if you've got any other. How many uh, players are actually on there on the Xbox One to see uh, how well, populated actu- it is? Actually, there is one player right in this instance right now. No, oh, really? Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's actually shooting at me. No, he hasn't. He hasn't deployed his weapons. But um, there is a commander here, and I will. I will see who. Who he is in just a minute? Oh, if I if I avoid the station again, <laughs> help! <laughs> oh dear. Okay, we well, just quickly wrap up Michael Brooks's comments on uh, his dev update. Um, yeah, he said, and this is something that, you know we've gone over time and time again as to why it's a good thing that it's going to consoles. And it says the obvious benefit comes from income. You know, they've chosen not to go down the route for subscriptions or pay to win, but they do need an income of some sort to support the game and obviously its development. So uh, most of that is coming by adding new customers. So it's in the interest of all of us, even us curmudgeonly old PC players, to get more people playing and buying this game. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's rings around about. I mean, obviously you'd hope that having to do the additional work to support multiple different platforms doesn't slow down, you know, any of the kind of new features. Um, but at the same time, it would have been crazy not to release it on console. And, you know, I think, I think, I think it sounds like they've done a good job. I didn't realize though that the Xbox version, it's not the current fully featured PC version, so it doesn't have things like community goals and power play and what? things. What? Oh, it does have power play. So it does? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. In that case, the person who posted was... <laughs> their wrong. Best. Let's just say wrong. I was, I, was looking for, I was looking for a polite word for it. They were completely wrong, and they posted their wrongness all over the internet. Um, I, I, I can say firsthand that the, the word that we were using in the PR speak was uncompromised experience. Okay. Awesome. Slave <laughs> Radio, always checking our facts before broadcasting <laughs> to you, the listeners. No, well, oh. that's why I sort of said it with a, a question mark because I wasn't, I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I, yeah, I think it makes sense, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, they've got a great relationship with Microsoft. They've got a long-standing development uh, partnership with them. It'd be interesting to see when it goes on something like uh, the PlayStation Four, and doubly interesting to see if it goes on to something like the Morpheus headset to see how that. Uh, how that iteration of the game pans out, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like this, uh, like this podcast saying, the more the merrier when it comes to uh, playing the game. We want, um, you know, we want as much money and as much uh, finance going into developing this game as we possibly can, so that when it comes to things like, dare we say, it, planetary landings and walking around in stations, it's the best possible iteration of that particular <laughs> update that we can get our hands on. So, oh, yeah. no. I think the. 
Crush the what... city. I know something you don't know. <laughs> the, th- the thing I was going to say though about the 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 Xbox port. Did any of us expect it to appear this quickly? I must hmm. admit, no. <laughs> I was stunned. I couldn't believe. It. I was like, "What? You mean it's out? It's out today?" Yes. I was like, "Okay." I was expecting it to be like end of September or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Amazing, I, I, amazing work. I, I, yeah, I was really, really surprised about. I mean, when they gave me the heads up a couple of weeks before E3, I was like, "What? Really? You've done it already?" I thought end of year maybe. Jeez, <laughs> you know, because uh, the thing. I mean, they must have been developing that alongside the Mac version as well. Yeah. And here we are. Suddenly, they've got this. Out, so wow. You know, I mean, the the level of cadence of their development cycle is is second to none i think but you see yeah, i mean you say that i mean i've been i've seen a couple of, uh, of of interesting things recently there was a david braben interview which has been done as part of the um from bedrooms to billions yeah. years documentary and they released a, an interview with david braben about the making of a frontier and he talked in that about how their own engine allows very platform i think the yeah. phrase he used was platform agnostic yeah. Um, and there was a similar thing with uh, David Walsh had posted a blog on, I think it was LinkedIn. I don't know if it was, it was anywhere yeah, else. It was LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. um, and again, they were talking about their own, you know, their kind of their own platform and the, the way they develop it. And it does sound like being in control of that Cobra engine does allow them to just have complete control over how quick their development is for other platforms. I mean, it's amazing. Um, but it kind of stands up because, I mean, having worked in IT in the past, the thing I always remember is that you, when you're and you're looking at delays, the first thing I'd always do is say, well, what things are in the hands of third parties? Yeah. Because that's yeah. always your delays. Anything you can do yourself, you can prior, you can make it as quick or as slow as you kind of need it to be, almost, obviously, you know, within reason. Um, but, yeah, just a, a huge justification there for having your own tech. Um, okay. and um, using other people's platforms. Yeah, Crash, how many people currently work uh, on the sort of development side on Frontier, rough, roughly? Um, oh. How many bodies are actually in there sat at screens typing oh, away on this stuff? Crikey. I, I, I mean, last count, I mean, the total headcount in the business was like 250 or something like that, wasn't yeah. it? it? It was pretty high, but I must admit, when I went there last week, it was significantly busier than the last time I visited in the premiere. And, I mean, like, there last time there was a few empty chairs and stuff because some of the projects had just finished. This time, they struggled to find me a seat. It was, right. like, that busy. So they've got a lot of people working on things independently at the moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously they had another announcement. In fact, let's just move on and talk about mm. E3. Let's go crashing straight into crashing. Do you like to see what I did there? Crashing on to E3. Um, there was another announcement. Just briefly, we'll touch on this when we're talking about, obviously, Frontier as a development studio. There was another announcement at E3, another game that's coming out, which was, was it Coaster Planet? Planet Coaster! Planet Coaster. Yeah, obviously, for those people that aren't aware of that, Frontier developments have a, a massive sort of history in the whole roller coaster tycoon and roller coaster simulation um, a genre of games. So, this is their first, uh, which is this their first independently one, you know, outside of Elite Damn Dangerous? This is their first sort of independent roller coaster game, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's obviously, you know, they've been bitten by the bug of self-publicizing, uh, self-publicizing, um, self-publishing rather, uh, their games. And I mean, did you get a chance? You must have had a chance to have a look at, uh, you know, this game. What was it like? Oh, yeah. It, wow. I, I saw the trailer before anyone else. And that was one of the things I, I t- 
we did a squee for and got into trouble. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it looks really, really great. And I must say, I mean, I was chatting to, uh, to Ben Dowie, he's one of the uh, executive producers there at Frontier, and he has been waiting 10 years to get back to this genre and make this game. He joined roughly when uh, they were they were just putting the finishing touches on Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, and he's been waiting this long to get back into it, so he's really excited. And yes, yeah, so the game looks really really fun you know it's it's got that real deep rich level of simulation they're going for this really really advanced simulation which is nice and it just looks a whole load of fun to play i can't wait so what was the uh, what was the spiel on the stand about this particular game so obviously high level of uh, simulation what else is it that uh, that makes this coaster game stand out from other coaster games I think it's just, you know, I think the line was they want to they want to bring back the joy in this kind of game. You know, so too many things have either been too serious or just washed out, and you know, the, the whole kind of tycoon name has been kind of worn down to a nub, hasn't it? And you, you got yeah. a lot of these games now. It's just, oh, it's just, you know, shopping mall tycoon. <laughs> you know, all these random things, and they're just so bad. And that was one of the reasons for the name change. They wanted to, you know, kind of freshen it up slightly. So yeah, I mean, it really is about that real fun gameplay, really deep. And and, uh, believable simulation, you know what I mean? It's not just that kind of scratch the surface and you can see the mechanics underneath it. They want really, really detailed, detailed stuff. And there's so many little uh, hints and teasers in the uh, trailer video if you watch it. Things like, uh, well, particularly on the website as well, like you see the, the coaster has got that kind of feeling of inertia when it, it just reaches the apex of that turn and it just slows down and then the back cart kind of snaps over the edge of its stuff. All this kind of detail is all going into the engine and oh, they've got a fantastic simulation going on there. Looks really good. Okay, we should just quickly say there that uh, the views expressed by Mr. John Virgo are not necessarily the views <laughs> expressed by Dave <laughs> Radio as a show and obviously uh, any reference to Shopping Mall Tycoon are completely his own opinions. <laughs> Is there a game called that? I don't know. Probably. Let's just cover <laughs> probably, our eyes. Yeah, probably, probably the bases, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is great. And, you know, I certainly loved playing the ass off the uh, uh, the Rollercoaster Tycoon series. It was uh, it was such a fun game to play. So uh, fair play to Frontier Developments for, for getting back into that particular fish pond. I think it's going to be great. And, again, you know, more income coming into uh, Frontier Developments can only be a good thing for, you know, the game that we love, which is Elite Dangerous. So... Um, Although, of course, in the UK, you know, if I dare say it, not a great week to be releasing news about a roller coaster based game. No, absolutely. Um, and I never actually asked you guys what you'd all been up to this week. Uh, it's not because I don't care. It's just because I've been so long since I've been hosting. I completely forgot that we did that. Um, <laughs> but I should just say that uh, I raced back uh, today from Alton Towers. My son's just turned four and we spent all day at CBeebies Land. And Oops. Granted, apart from the Octonauts ride, there's not a lot of high octane going on in CBeebies land, but uh, the park was quiet. I mean, obviously it's term time, it's uh, everybody's at school and stuff, but the park was very, very quiet. There's, yeah, it's definitely had an impact to their business. But yes, you're at um, an interesting time to be launching a simulation about roller coasters. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, real, it's a real tragedy. It's an awful event, and I just think... I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have done things. I mean, in some respects, you can't miss an event like E3. It's such a huge thing. You can't miss it. But I don't know. If it, if it was me, I'm just, just putting this out there. If it was me, I'd have, I'd have pushed that news back a month or so. But I, you know, I must, I must admit that they, they did give it very careful consideration. Yeah, and they, and they, I mean, they're all human. They were all thinking yeah. about it. They were all thinking it's, you know, can we go ahead with this news? But like you said, with the, the, the cost and the effort that went into getting prepared for that time, it, it would have been 
a huge expense for them to drop it and not announce something in that time, you know. Yeah. So, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting in any way that announcing a roller coaster game is in any way insensitive. I think the two, I think the two things are completely unrelated. Yeah. I don't think you're kind of, you know, disrespecting anybody by doing that. I th- my concern is more that people might in some respects over how much people are going to be receptive to the idea when there's also a hugely dreadful thing kind of in the news about that topic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when is this? Uh, when is this game launching? Um, when uh, is it actually? 2016. So yeah, there's, there's a there's a strong possibility that you know the the fact that it will go out of the news and these people will get on with their lives and stuff that uh, it might not cause the sort of same sort of stir as if they'd been actually releasing the game to you know UK markets next week, say, or you know two weeks ago. Yeah. If it had been ready to launch then it might have been a different kettle of fish. And I think you might be right, Chris. It might have had a, an interesting ramification. I'm just, talking about, I'm just talking about the generation of excitement and whether or not you'd potentially lose people who might have been excited about a game like that, but are maybe just a little bit switched off just because of the, the current events. I don't know. I'm just kind of putting it out there, really. Yeah. No, it's an interesting yeah, no. thought. Um, so how did, we'll wrap up with... Uh, with uh, with the coaster game, um, how was it received? Oh yeah, I mean, r- really well. We were, we were all sat in the wo- in the room waiting for the announcement. You know, we <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's like you, you come to E three and it's like you're, you're still watching all the announcements on a video screen because you can't get to the <laughs> get to the room where it's been done. But yeah, we were, it was really really well received. The the whole Twitter sphere just went up in fire as soon as it was announced. You know, my phone was going nuts and I got into trouble with my wife because I woke her up tweeting. Oh, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was really well received. So yeah, I can't wait. Okay, well let's uh, let's sort of pull it back for just a second. And uh, obviously, you uh, you got to live the dream not once but twice. Um, most of us aren't going to get the opportunity to go through uh, uh, an experience like E3, so we're going to have to live vicariously through you, mate. So take us through your E3 experience. I'm going to sort of put the kettle on. I'm going to put my feet up, and you know, you've got an hour and a half to tell us all about your uh, you know, from getting on the plane, from waking up in the morning, you know, oh, setting that you know four alarms to make sure you made it to the airport in time to getting off in in uh, in the states uh, and everything in between so go on oh, yes. what was it like well crazy in, in a word but i will i will elaborate more on that no it, it was really really busy and i just i don't think we stopped for the entire thing so i'll take a step back i mean first of all uh i went to frontier the friday before uh, just met met up with the team, had a little talk through what was going on. They showed me some awesome trailers and things of what was about to happen. Um, and then I was incredibly, incredibly lucky, and they sat me in front of a uh, an Xbox One, and I got the opportunity to play CQC, ah, which was absolutely awesome. And I know there's lots of people that hate me now, but <laughs> it was it was really, really good. I mean, the the only simple way I could explain it was uh, you know like Quake Three in spaceships. <laughs> You know, it was uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, so I got to play that, and then uh, I saw what we were going to be doing. Had a, had a bit of practice on the Xbox because, like I said, I was quite new to it. So I was uh, playing around on some of the controls and all. Uh, and then it was off to get all set up. And I, I must say, this this time uh, Frontier definitely they seemed very well practiced in getting the whole setup of the street uh, of the uh, things working and all that they had uh, the, the uh, booth was all set up and ready to go the day we got there so everything was all nice and cushy we practically just walked in plugged in the xboxes and we were ready to go um but i suppose 
I don't know if it, was anyone else following along with the events that were going on 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 the first day. Did anyone see the, any of the Microsoft announcements? Yeah, I was following the uh, the big Microsoft thing, mm. uh, and I was there thinking, right, fair enough, this looks this looks okay. Uh, and then all of a sudden, along they come with the uh, the early access stuff, and then there's <laughs> Elite Dangerous involvement, in and that's involved today. And I went. Yep. Today. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I was a little disappointed with the presentation. I would have liked to seen a little bit more because yeah. all you saw was uh, basically what looked like a launch sequence, and that was it. Mm. Uh, but you know, apart from that, you know, we actually got Elite Dangerous mentioned uh, at the big Xbox uh, presentation. Which, yeah. to tell you the truth, that's that's quite that's quite something. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good. I mean, the, the game preview program that was something big that Microsoft wanted to do uh, this time around, and just to fill in the gaps on that, if anyone doesn't know, it's it's basically a, a kind of a beta program or early access for uh, the Xbox console. That's what it is. So it allows developers to put a version of the game out there, incomplete, but allow people to get early access. You know, just just what you do on Steam, really. Uh, and and Elite Dangerous, I think, was the first, if well, maybe one of the first, probably the first that went out on there. I know there was a couple more announced, but uh, we didn't know about them at the time, and literally until Microsoft announced it, we did not know. Um, so yeah, so it uh, it hit then. Uh, unfortunately, we, we were all set up ready to go. This was this was the irony of it. We had everything in the room ready to go. Everything was running fine. As soon as they made these announcements on the stage, suddenly everybody hit Xbox Live and started downloading stuff, and it killed Xbox Live. So yeah, it was it was a bit of an oh crap moment when we were we thought oh we're all ready to go, everything's working fine, everything's cushy, and then suddenly none of our Xboxes are responding. We're all wondering oh crap, what have we done? <laughs> but it was all Xbox Live, so that was a bit of a panic. But these things happen, you know, these things happen. But yeah. It was, it was good for Elite to get an announcement. Obviously, uh, I think it was... Colin, you touched on the... Was it the Elite controller that was announced as well? Yeah, that was the that was the, uh, the controller that was announced at that thing. And, of course, me being the absolute numpty went, ooh, an Elite controller. Is that specifically <laughs> for Elite? Dangerous, but no. Just because it was Microsoft being, oh, let's just use the same word. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it was, I, I mean, I did make a bit of a tweet to take the this out of it basically because I was looking at it and thinking hmm we like Elite so much we made an Elite controller uh, but, uh, <laughs> it can't yeah. hurt though well, you know no. what I mean it, it, can't, it can't hurt the visibility I mean if they wanted to call it the Lave Radio controller or the Escape Velocity controller we would not be complaining <laughs> absolutely <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I managed to get hands on with it, have a have a quick play with the the new controls. The uh, sticks are a little bit taller, so you get more precision. Like you said, you got little thumb sticks on the back, which are quite nice. Um, the only thing was though, and it was like almost as immediately as this was announced, we had people coming up into the room and saying, uh, "Will Elite support the new Elite controller?" And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the look on Ben's face was like, "Well." As soon as I get my hands on one, I'd like to. <laughs> you know, so it was all news. It was all news. None of us knew what was going on. So uh, that was that was literally just the first first few hours. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. Um, I'm trying to remember what else happened. It it was all. Did you, get, did you get the chance to sort of get around the show and get your hands on many other games? Ah, uh, I I managed to get around a little bit. I looked at some of the other uh, booths and things. Did not have the chance to queue to try anything else. We we were just absolutely jam-packed up against it the entire time um i think we did something like 40 press interviews mm. so i literally it literally didn't stop i mean i, I saw the inside of a, a 10 foot cube for uh for four days practically um but yeah, yeah i managed to get around the uh, the booth and uh 
uh, saw a couple of you know just walk past Parma Lucky as you do in the corridor. It's like what the <laughs> that, that's the guy. Um, but yeah, no, so, who's Parma Lucky? Uh, the founder of Oculus. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> Which was like it's a bit surreal, but uh, it was it was great. So yeah, so I saw a little bit more of the show this time round, uh, but didn't really get a chance to participate. <laughs> so how many people did they uh, did Frontier Development ship out there? How many were manning the booth? Well, this time we had a few more. We had, um, I think, four ambassadors in total. Um, and I got to, I got to meet Brett for, uh, for the first time as well, Brett Cooper from the forums. Oh, cool. PC trainers, yeah. He's uh, been, obviously, on the forums for many, many years. So I got to meet him for the first time, which is quite nice. And, of course, all of uh, us, us from the UK came over as well. So, uh, yeah, there was quite a few of us there on the booth this time. Uh, but it was, I think it was, it was a lot more accessible on the Xbox. That was a nice thing about it. We didn't have to do as much kind of uh, demoing to people how to do it. They, Everyone was just kind of coming in, sitting down, and just jumping in, playing it. And of course, th- there was minor things as well. Which uh, well, I say minor things, but there was there was additional things uh, to the controller support. Like the the tr- all the training missions were completely revamped so that they were uh, more accessible. The ships were more powerful. They had gimbaled weapons, for example. Um, so that was that was quite nice that people could just jump in. They can play the game. They wouldn't need. Uh, any additional support there to kind of get used to the controls? Um, yeah, I must admit the the little lad had been playing through the uh, the training missions, and he's found them a lot easier than than I have. <laughs> he sort of says, "I'm quite sure that last time that I played this, the guns didn't follow the other ship." <laughs> And uh, he thought that he, would, he was in the wrong place because when you're taking down the solar fluke, you're normally in, a, in an asteroid field, but in the Xbox, it's, uh, it's in open space. Yeah, it's a cool-looking thing. So, I mean, that was one of the things they wanted to do. They, they had the opportunity to do another pass over the, uh, the training missions, which this, this is one of the great things about the Xbox, and I don't think this was highlighted enough, was the things that they could go back and improve will get fed back into the PC version. I think that's really important, particularly things like the optimizations they've had to do to fit it on the hardware. Um, we will see those come back into PC, which is great, because so, it means that, uh, you know, people with lower uh, spec machines are going to see improvements, but even people with higher spec machines are going to see even bigger frame rates in crazy, crazy uh, um, situations. Yeah, I mean, uh, I heard it um, described sort of like the, you know, the Formula One and the, the rest of the car industry that, you know, all of this heavy development goes into the Formula One cars and then and eventually it filters down. Not suggesting that the Xbox One is a Formula One car by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. But, well, no... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I, I think what Ben Ben Derry was saying to everyone was, you know, there's there's this common misconception that people think if you're spreading your resources over other machines, it, it kind of dilutes the whole thing and it makes everything worse. Where in fact, it's completely opposite. That if you have the opportunity to sit and target a specific piece of hardware, you find optimizations that you otherwise wouldn't have found. So this allows you to feed that back into the whole thing and just make the entire engine better overall. So yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think. Going back to Chris's point about the whole Cobra engine thing, that really might be the case if you were developing on you know so many different platforms with different engines and stuff. But as it's all sort of Cobra under the under the hood, as it were, any optimizations you would imagine will be able to easily filter through to all the different versions. 
Absolutely, and it's it's like looking, you know, look at the Unreal Engine, for example. This has now come out on like every main platform out there, practically, hasn't it? And uh, that has just gone from strength to strength, literally because of uh, the constant work that they've been doing, getting it up to scratch for all of these other platforms and stuff. And that is just another case in point of why that's an important thing. So, you know, I, I think it's it's absolutely a good thing. It's there's so many benefits that have come out come, getting on the Xbox One. Okay, so how did Mr. Braben do? Obviously, I'm imagining he never stopped from the moment he woke up in the morning until the moment he got back on the plane. But, yeah, was he enjoying it? Was he absolutely knackered? I mean, <laughs> I can imagine he he just never stopped. Yeah, no, I think I think we were all in that state. But, yeah, David, definitely, he was just non-stop in interviews all the time. Um, and, yeah, he just he basically did not stop. Uh, and I, I will say I must give a huge shout-out and props to... to Ed Lewis as well, community manager, because he uh, he's a legend. I don't know how that man manages to stay awake because he, he got up one morning. We were down for breakfast, breakfast at like six thirty. He'd finished. He was off to an event, and he didn't finish until midnight that day. And then he was up again six the next morning for the next day. He, I don't know how he does it, but he was just absolutely working his socks off that entire period out there. And I think we all were, to be fair. You know, everyone was really, really busy and uh, just constantly on the go showing it to stuff but it was great because it was a real nice atmosphere and even on the last day we were still enthusiastic and the, all the the press coming to see us could see that we were really really passionate about the game which was nice it's nice was there any discussions at the booth around the other sort of games that were out at this year's e3 and obviously you've still got uh, you still got um, uh, No Man's Skies out there. You still mm. got the uh, obviously the Wing Commander franchises out there. Yeah, there's a few more space sims in the marketplace now. Did people come to the booth and say, "Oh, this is Elite Dangerous"? But we've also just seen No Man's Skies, and how is it different? And you know, what's this and what's that? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's kind of inevitable. Everyone's got to try and compare it in one way or another. We did have some questions like that, but I think. It, it's quite obvious when you actually sit down and compare these things, they're very different games. It's almost like saying, oh, we've already seen a first-person shooter, why do we want another first-person shooter? And it's like, well, yeah, yeah when you put it that way, it kind of it kind of makes sense. And, you know, No Man's Sky, I, I love it. I mean, the, the guys at Frontier love the look of it. They really want to see where it's going. And it's a completely different game, and it's really, really distinct style, and it's going for that fantasy, imaginative environments and all that kind of stuff. And it's, a, it's their own created galaxy they've gone for, whereas you look at uh, Elite, it's it's a realistic one-to-one version of the Milky Way. So, in that respect, it's very, very different. The thing is about, I mean, I saw the, the No Man's Sky reveal in the video of it, and you're looking at it going, wow, and he picks a random planet and does a pl- seamless planetary landing, and, you know, you've got the wonderful visual effects, and he gets down there, and he goes, oh, there's no life on this planet, and he falls into a big puddle, looks underwater, there's all this fish, and you're going, this is stunning, this is stunning. <laughs> and then they go, now, let's go and jump somewhere else, and they pull up the galactic map, and I'm looking at it going, that looks awfully familiar. and then he zooms out and I'm going "Mm, is that not exactly how Elite was showing off their galactic map to make people go oh my god the further you zoom out it starts to resolve into some kind of strange picture that if you go cross-eyed it's 3D Um, it was awesome I mean to be honest it looks like one of the games um, even my wife is kind of oh that looks nice that and Fallout 4 I think were the two and of course Star Wars Battlefront which just looks stunningly exciting but it all comes down to how they play but yeah oh, No Man's Sky I think is one I definitely will be checking out 
Yeah, okay, let's take a, a little detour then uh, for five minutes and talk about some of the other stuff that came out at E3 that, uh, yeah, to, to quote Crash, uh, make us all squee. Um, certainly No Man's Sky is looking interesting, obviously as Space Sim fans, that's one that uh, we'll all keep our eyes on. But Grant, you just mentioned it there, Fallout 4. Um, not massively different to Fallout 3, but actually that's not, in my head, such a bad thing. I think everybody's quite looking to getting quite... A, Get quite excited about going back out to the wasteland. Would you agree? Are you? I, I, didn't, I did not like the Fallout games. Um, I just <gasps> never oh, got into them. Oh, oh, where's the kick button? There's a kick button somewhere <laughs> in here. <laughs> but watching the reveals on Fallout 4, all you're doing is looking at it and going, "That's not a game. That's real life. That's a second job." go around and find stuff and make stuff and I want to and it looks like it'll be awesome Um, so much so that when they announced that they had released the Fallout Shelter app um, I had to I've been playing that ever since and it god it's (laughs) well how many how many people have you got oh Uh, at the moment yeah me two what only two I said 22 not only two 22 I've got 87 Oh, I'm loving God. it. <laughs> Only downloaded it yesterday. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> it is. It's an awesome little game, and um, I know that's just one of these little side tasters that's come out of it. But your Fallout Four looks it looks immense. I can't see how you. I mean, I can't really recall Fallout Three, but I remember looking at it and thinking it was just kind of like Borderlandsy, but with slightly more realistic graphics, and it just didn't grab my attention but this one does this one looks stunning no I mean Crash would you say it looked like more of the same but in a good way yeah I think so I mean, one of the things I was, I was really quite impressed that they did was they made the decision to drop the graphical fidelity down from what they could achieve so that they could save more of the available hardware for a more detailed simulation and an interesting world and you know having lots of objects and things you could interact with instead so that that was quite a mature decision because everyone's always going for shinier graphics these days that's always what everyone's always talking about but instead they've decided you know let's make something which is a really interesting believable world and I, i really respect them for making that decision so I'm really excited to see how it works. Yep, definitely. Um, what about No Man's uh, Sky then? Who, uh, who's who been following this and who wants to get their grubby mitts on it the moment it comes out? Well, I was actually really looking forward to it. But for some reason, I don't know, I wasn't that impressed with the tech demo. Um, I, I just can't explain it. It's, it just didn't seem to do it for me. It, it was like watching... Um, I mean, the ships in Homeworld are, are quite impressive, but yeah. it's like flying ships in Homeworld, and for some reason that just that doesn't have the same... It feels too stylized to me. It doesn't feel like it's a... You know, it doesn't feel like it's got... Well, I was going to say depth, but we know it's got, got a lot of exploration to it, but it doesn't seem to have anything more to it than that. Well, you're suggesting that the world doesn't feel like it's grounded is it the fact that it's sort of fancy world not grounded in reality that just makes it feel a little bit unreal to you um it's something like that it's it i think it's just i don't like the graphical style um mm. and that's my problem with it uh i mean the, the technical achievement of it is very impressive but at the moment it, it's leaving me cold to be honest um I, I've, i'm definitely going to follow it and see where it goes but I've got a sneaking suspicion that by the time it comes out, we'll have planetary 
landings in Elite Dangerous, <laughs> and I won't be interested anymore. Well, let's hope. So when's the uh, when's the official launch from No Man's Skies? Probably the end of this year and beginning of next. Okay. It Crash, when's the... Uh, hold on, hold on, Jarvis. Crash, when's the uh, launch of planetary landings for Elite Dangerous? I think it's a NDA, 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 NDA. The thing is, if there's an NDA for it, that means that a timeline has been set. <laughs> Whereas you could just say, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, features, it's features down the line. No, 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 it's not features down the line. There's an NDA in place to stop discussing it. <laughs> yeah, which obviously means that that's, that's, that's frontier language. That's soon, isn't it? I'm sure that's soon. NDA means soon. <laughs> no, I mean, we know, you know. Are you, are, you, Crash, are you allowed to say whether we get walking around space stations or planetary landings first? Which, is, which, is, which is higher up the priority list. I, I thought it had already been discussed several times, actually, so I think okay. it's pretty public information that planetary lands is going to come first. It, I mean, it was one of the things I asked David about it, and the main reason for it was because uh, the kind of incrementally... Uh, increasing the level of detail, you know what I mean? So we're going from yeah. really, really big things down to slightly smaller things, down to really, really tiny things. So it kind of makes sense to do it in that order. Okay, no, no, fair enough. No, I was just, to be honest, I was just thinking that actually walking around 3D models at space stations and ships mm-hmm. is pretty easy yeah, compared to... Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, yeah well, I see what you mean. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it does appear that way, but I think it, mm. it's, like I said, it's kind of that incrementally layering on features uh, from, from a higher scale to a lower scale. It kind of makes sense yeah. to, to work on it piece by piece. So you go from a mile wide to, a, to uh, you know, a couple of feet wide to a couple of inches wide sort of thing, like level of detail on your models, and it kind of makes sense to build it up in that. And I, yeah, and I think in terms of elite as well, I think actually landing on planets probably suits the existing gameplay that you do yeah maybe better than because it's, it's easy to envisage elite type things that you can do by landing on planets in terms of getting out of your ship that's maybe less obvious yeah mm. yeah um I mean, landing on planets can just be landing on planets, as opposed to landing on planets getting out and going on safari I mean that's obviously yeah. something that they can do later down the line yeah yeah, yeah well x x Rebirth tried that, where you get out of your ship and walk around the space station looking for people to trade with, and everybody hated it. Yeah, it's true. It depends how it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends how it's done. I mean, I spent a few, not not admittedly not many, but I spent a few good fun evenings in PlayStation Home. Really? really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Actually, if you give it, if you, if people had given it a chance, it had the capability of being quite good fun. Um, and it was just the ability to, you know, do some role playing, kind of play some games. I mean, I basically, I just had an evening where I didn't fancy playing anything that was on my list of shame. Um, I, I bought maybe two or three quids worth of carnival vouchers. And I just went to the fun fair in PlayStation Home and just played all the fun fair games with a mate that was online. And do you know what? We actually had really good fun. And it wasn't, I mean, you wouldn't call it proper gaming, but it was, it, you know, it was just, it was an interesting environment to kind of hang out and just kind of socialise. And I think for me, that's what I'd like the inside of a space station to be. Yeah. I don't want to have to get out of my ship to go and do gameplay stuff necessarily, but I would like an environment to just kind of go and, you know, yeah. be this kind of the social character. Um, I think, you know, 
Yeah, I think you're, you're right to a certain degree. Certainly, before Elite Dangerous came back on the uh, back on the uh, radar, you know, when uh, you do the whole sort of if Elite ever got remade, if Elite ever came back, what would I like it to do? And I remember thinking when I actually had a few looks at home, this would be the sort of thing that would actually work really well as you know the space station loungers in the next version of Elite. So yeah, I do see where you say uh, where you're coming from on that point. Um, okay, so uh, what have we done? No Man's Skies, we've talked about... Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about it. Crash, Star Citizen. Was it there? What was it showing? Was it any good? You know, I think they were supposed to make an appearance, but from what I heard, they, they, were, they were a no-show. So I, I don't know what happened there. Because obviously we were interested to see what they were, they were going to bring to the table, but as, mm. far as far as I'm aware, we didn't hear any news. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Mm. Conspicuous by their absence. Mm, exactly. One thing I, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching was the Minecraft demonstration with Hollow Glass. And oh yeah. <laughs> they, they kind of went and turned it on and showed you this little table that they had, and then the table covered in sand. And then all the sand started to disappear inside the table. <laughs> this big visual <laughs> effect, and then the city rose out of the table, and you could see the other players running around. It was stunning. Stunning to see how on earth you meant to play it like that. I, I don't think you can. It's just daft. But it was such a nice demonstration. Okay, so Hollow Glass with uh, with Minecraft was a highlight. Uh, before you uh, leave E three, any other highlights that people want to just sort of focus in on? Well, well, can we just you know, without me wanting to be the kind of negative one in the corner, can we just get Karash's take on on what happened with David Braben's? presentation on the PC gaming show because oh. obviously there was a there was a bit of a something that happened there and there was lots of speculation online uh, about whether that was because something had gone wrong and he'd been kind mm-hmm. of pulled off stage or whether he just kind of froze um, and people weren't sure whether after the Coaster Planet trailer finished whether he was supposed to still be there or whether he disappeared halfway through the trailer what, what, what kind of happened there what was going on it it was incredibly simple. Basically, he was busy doing press interviews all day, and I can say, as I was two feet the other side of a, a thin wall, in between every press interview, he was attempting to rehearse the script. The script was changing, and he basically just forgot his lines for a second. That's all that happened. You know, it literally was like, oh, I've been cramming this in my head all day, and it's gone. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all it was. There was no deeper thing to it than that at all. That's all that was going on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys know I've done a lot of stuff on stage over the years. And to me, when I watched the video, that that was a classic, I've forgotten my line face. Yeah. I mean, I've seen yeah. that. I think, I think yeah. every show I've ever done, I've probably seen that face every night. So It, it was just really unfortunate. He, he really wanted to do it justice. He wanted to get it right. He wanted to say exactly what he was supposed to say so that Planet Coaster would get the launch it, it deserved. And it just, it just had a, a moment where he forgot. You know, that's all that was, happened. Was, was the trailer always his exit, or did he just decide to... No, no, no. That was that. That was it. I mean, uh, yeah. that was the length of time that we had for that slot. We, you know, you wouldn't believe how crazy difficult it is to get any more time on something like that. But yeah, that was that was all they had. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've just been uh, poked on uh, on Skype by some of our listeners who are crying out for the fact that we have yet. To, before we move on, we have yet to mention a certain other game franchise that has been relaunched, and that is um, Final Fantasy. Uh, so let's maybe uh, just quickly talk oh, about Final Fantasy. 
I'm sort of uh, excited about this now I've actually read what it is. Okay, well, you, Chris, I'm, I've never played any of the Final Fantasy, so I am a complete uh, Final Fantasy uh, virgin on this. So, you know, pop my cherry and tell me all about why I should well, be excited about the, the latest Final Fantasy. Okay, so I'll, what I'll do is I'll give you the, the brief history of Final Fantasy from the point of view of people who are old school and don't like change, okay? So what, what <laughs> was, you, you have the original Final Fantasy series, which was a kind of 8-bit RPG world crawler, um, you know, pixel art graphics... Uh, an overworld that you kind of move around and then you go to locations and go into these these kind of smaller maps. Um, Final Fantasy VII happened, and Final Fantasy VII was huge for, for a number of reasons, partly just because of the amount of stuff that it gave you to do in the game. I mean, I think it was one of the first games that really gave you sort of 100 hours of actual stuff to do not just grinding and collecting stuff but really if you did everything in that game it would probably take you about 100 hours to do um and final fantasy 7 was amazing because it it there was there were 3d cut scenes like movies which was which you know which was new at the time um there were 3d rendered environments you could walk through because of course it wasn't a real-time 3d engine these were rendered you know static scenes but you could walk around them and it was kind of a really pretty looking point and click adventure but it had these turn-based battles whereby you know you sort of faced off against from a row of enemies and you took it in turns to attack and things like that and they did seven which was amazing they did eight which was amazing personally my favorite i know a lot of people disagree with that uh, but I, I really like eight then they did nine which was a really lovely adventure um really kind of took everything to the, the kind of limit of what they could do with it final fantasy 10 happened and a number of things happened basically the series moved to playstation 2 so they were no longer on playstation 1 they one of the things they did was they created a real-time 3d kind of environment because the playstation 2 the graphics had got to the stage where they could do these beautiful scenes kind of in real time and the other thing they did was that there'd been criticism i think in the kind of wider gaming population about these turn-based battles being a bit too old school for some people's taste so they'd started introducing um more of a real-time battle thing. I mean, it still used a time counter and stuff like that, but it was more of a, of a real-time battle. And then, this, and they also introduced full spoken dialogue. And I'll, I'll be honest, when I played Final Fantasy X, that was the point where I dropped out of the series. And really, it's continued to develop in, in the sequels up to, I think the latest one is, what, 15? They've continued to develop the kind of the real-time combat and the real-time 3D engines. What they've announced with the new Final Fantasy thing is basically a kind of return to old-school Final Fantasy. So it's got a bit of a kind of Animal Crossing sort of look to it. Uh, it's using cutesy kind of old-school 8-bit, 16-bit, whatever you want to call it, style you know, graphics and characters. I think it's what the Japanese art style is called Chibi or something, which is like the the, the sort of cutesy characters. It's going to have turn-based battles. It's going to have overworlds. You know, it's it's basically going to be a kind of uh, a, 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 an old-school throwback, which is, for me, is exciting. <laughs> okay, so is this the same story that follows on episode after episode, or is it different uh, characters? They're all different. Every single Final Fantasy game has a different plot and a different setting. And in fact, it's not even a consistent fictional world. 
because the rules in one game will be completely different from the rules in another. So Final Fantasy VII, the world was based on these stones called Materia, which was basically magic, and you would use this magic by attaching them to slots in your equipment, in your weapons and armour. In Final Fantasy VIII, there was no Materia at all. You had these guardian spirits that you kind of pledged yourself to, and all of your skills growth you learnt by being attached to this guardian spirit. Um, the, you know, the, the art styles are different. So Final Fantasy VII, cyberpunk. Final Fantasy IX was like a medieval fantasy. The only things that were consistent were broad little series elements like the, the chocobos, which are these sort of ostrich things, these little cats with balls above their heads allowed to save your game. There's various things. But they are actually... I mean, the Final Fantasy series is different from game to game, which is why there exists things like Final Fantasy X-2. <laughs> because Final Fantasy X-2 is actually a sequel to Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy XI isn't. R- right. <laughs> okay. It's always fun explaining. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I asked. I really am. And the, 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 the movie tie-in, the, the Final Fantasy, the spirits within, that corresponds to... Nothing okay. to do with any of them. Um, the only one that's related is if you look at something like Final Fantasy Advent Children, that is a movie sequel to Final Fantasy VII. Okay. So, glad we got that off our chest. <laughs> Special thank you to Mindwipe for bringing up a subject that's just confused the hell out of me. So, excellent. Um, glad it's coming back. Yay. Brilliant. Grant? Yeah, something else that just Chris touched on, and I know that Chris, yourself and I are big suckers for Animal Crossing, and of course they were so excited to share with everybody the nice new addition to the Animal Crossing games, in fact there's two, there's the Animal Crossing game on the Wii U, which is what people have been screaming and shouting for forever, except it's really just Mario Party Land with... (laughs) I know, it's just... And it's such a horrible, horrible travesty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about the, they're all about these, what do they call them? There? I can never remember what they're called. The, the little figurines that you can buy and then you place them on your various different bits of equipment and it will bring that character into the game. And it's, it seems to be that Nintendo's just firing this stuff out left, right and centre and it's going to be for the new home designer that's all coming out in the 3DS, which actually doesn't look to be too bad a game, but it's not strictly what Animal Crossing is what you'd expect from it. It's kind of taking the designer of the house side of things and a little bit of the other stuff, but it actually looks like a good game in its own right. But the Wii U version is essentially a board game. Uh, And although the mini-games look quite interesting, they look to sort of have the fishing challenges and the bug-catching challenges, and Susie's kind of torn (laughs) whether or not she wants to get that one, but the home designer is a must-have for her as far as she's concerned. But they both look... Suitably great, but we're all waiting for the proper, big, decent, specially multiplayer versions of Animal Crossing on the Wii U. That's what we're all waiting for. That's what the world's yeah. waiting for. Come on, Nintendo. If, if, if we're talking reactions to E3 in general, I was personally very underwhelmed by Nintendo's complete showing. Not, not because there was anything particularly wrong with any of the games they they announced, but instead of having kind of major announcements about new games in a series. There were lots of spin-off titles, cutesy remakes, 
board game side things. So like I say, with the Animal Crossing thing, you've got this weird kind of thing that's a bit like, you know, Mario Party 8 with Metroid Prime. Instead of having a proper Metroid Prime, you've got this thing with basically bobbleheads in like an FPS arena occasionally playing football with their energy weapons and with zelda instead of a new zelda game being kind of announced for 3ds you've got this thing which is a bit like four swords which is a sort of multiplayer co-op puzzle solving game and it's just i I just felt that a lot of nintendo stuff was kind of weird spin-off cash-in titles rather than any key announcements about kind of exciting new entries in, in in core series so let's just leave it there for E3. Unless there's anything anybody else wants to uh, to touch on before we uh, leave E3 for another year. And obviously I'm sure in another year John's going to make us all jealous and manage to find a way of wangling a yet another free pass to E3 from Frontier. <laughs> um, but who knows what the Elite Dangerous Universe is going to be like by then. Uh, lots of new things coming, hopefully lots of new updates and lots of things like virtual reality. So... You know, next year's E3 is obviously, as always, going to be bigger and better. So let's leave E3. Let's go to a quick advert, and when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about LaveCon. We buy any ship, bar none. We buy any ship, bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship, bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship, bar none, are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is, we take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Adder, Anaconda, Asp, Bauer, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Mori, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. <laughs> and as you can tell it's been a while since i've been sat at the hosting chair for Lave radio uh we've completely and utterly forgotten to actually talk in any way shape or form about cqc obviously the close quarter combat um so crash as you've been talking non-stop about cqc for the last <laughs> week why don't you give us a summary a top-down view a blurb-tastic overview of what this thing actually is yeah, so we, we briefly touched on it a few times. Um, basically, it's a PvP arena mode, which is being added into Elite Dangerous. And it's very important to say, and one of the things that they made a very, very conscious decision about was the fact that it's going to be a completely separate mode. So you go into the menu, you launch it up at any time. It's completely separate from the main gameplay experience. Now, one of the reasons why they've decided to do that is they didn't want cross-pollination spoiling the game for people going in either direction. If you think about it, you know, anyone who's been playing the game for months and months on PC suddenly coming over and using their millions and millions of, of, pay, of credits to uh, uh, ruin the PvP game and vice versa, people who are insanely good at PvP just decimating those who have spent all their hard-earned credits on ships. So, very conscious decision to keep it separate. What it's going to be when it, when it launches, it's going to get on the Xbox One first, which is going to be sometime in July, uh, and it's going to be somewhere between two and four maps. There's going to be Deathmatch Team Deathmatch and Capture the Flag mode. In this case, it's Capture the Data Spheres. You get this cool little glowing magnetic orb that follows your ship around. Um, 
which which is quite nice actually and they've, they've done some some key things to the game which is quite important to adjust the way it works so for example the capture the flag mode the data sphere has kind of a glowing trail that gets left behind it so you can chase people around you know where they've gone uh you've also got the um sorry i was Yes, sorry, the line of sight, which is an important thing that they've been working on. So now you have locking onto a target will be broken if you lose line of sight with them, which seems relatively minor. But at the moment in Elite, basically the only thing stopping uh, your lock-on range is going to be the the, the range at which they operate at. So, you know, five kilometres, once they race out of that, you lose a lock. Now if you lose line of sight with someone for a few seconds, they will uh, drop off your scanner. And if if you can get them back in time, they will come back on. And there's an important distinction that, because the whole idea of it, close quarters combat, is it's... uh, it's all up close and personal stuff. Is is Grant trying to say something there? We lost Grant. No, go on. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's it's got very very tight, twisty maps and things like that. You've got these large things which are somewhere like about the size of about four or five outposts all glued together. You know, on the side of asteroids and stuff like that. Some pretty interesting looking maps. But they've got these tight tight corridors that you can just about get through with the smaller ships in Elite. Um, and that's why the lock-on mechanic is so important, because you can zip through them <laughs> like I did to, to poor old Ed Lewis. I'm sorry, Ed. Um, he was chasing me through a corridor. He was really pleased because he managed to chase me through the corridor. But by the time he got through the other side, I had, uh, yeah, I'd spun around 180 and then I shot him in the face. I'm sorry, Ed. I'm sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> like I said, it's all about that fast, frantic action. And it's just so much fun. It literally is like playing Quake in space. Really, really good. Yeah, see, you say that, you say it's so much fun, you say it's like uh, playing Quake in space, but I think it's going to be one of these sort of Marmite things to a lot mm. of the Elite Dangerous community, because you know, a lot of people who play Elite are not going to be people that normally gravitate towards your, you know, your capture the flags or your, you know, arena combat type of um, of gaming. So mm. to them, you know, you, when you say squee, they might just say <laughs> snore, you know, um, you know, why do we need this? You know, what does it add to the Elite Dangerous universe? So, um, Xbox is a very different environment, though. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I think- and that's true, but this is also coming to the PC one sometime around the holiday season, we've been told. So, you know, you can't just sort of bracket it off and say it's Xbox only. This is something that is coming to the PC world as well. I think I think it'll be a good it'll be a good kind of stop for the people who don't feel that there's enough action. I think a lot of people come into it and they want kind of a multiplayer shooter and there's maybe not enough player on player action for them in the main universe and maybe they don't like it when people get upset when they start shooting at them um for no because the thing it's about the whole shooting at people for no reason thing um and CQC gives you a good reason to just shoot people up for no reason whereas if you're doing it in the main universe it's massively irritating um so i think it's i'm hoping it will be a good kind of place for people to ease off their trigger finger aggression so that when they actually come into the real elite (laughs) universe they can actually play the fucking game properly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know that's going to be your insult for whenever you get sort of uh, taken out by a pirate so you just fuck off and play uh, cqc will you that, that's going to be your retort is it pretty much it's, <laughs> it's pretty similar what i would already say um i mean there are elements of this that did make me uh did make me smile there's you know there's a certain sort of um i don't know familiarity with the um 
with the Star Wars universe in terms of flying through the trench or flying through yeah. the uh, the big Star Destroyer. You know, that's cool no matter what uh, game you're trying to play it in. And there's certainly these tight, confined corridors. Uh, that did look interesting. The, yeah. the maps that you were talking about, Crash, um, one of them, if I remember correctly, looks very much like some of the um, the concept art that we've had for, for shipyards. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the multiple segments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. have these maps been given names? Do they, can, you kind of give, can you give us a bit more information about what these structures are that we're seeing? Are any of them going to be sort of stretched out into the wider game? Uh, well, I think I don't think we're going to see them anywhere in the universe, uh, which is which is a shame, really, because they are quite interesting structures. But yeah, they they do bear a striking resemblance to those pieces of content art. They are multiple segments. Uh, for example, there's there's one which has about four or five key segments, and the the pieces are almost in the corners just have little owl shaped tunnels that you can zip through and go back to the main section. Um, it's important to note actually that the the Corridors have these little structures inside them, which like de- uh, destructible geometry, little cylinders full of fuel or something. I'm not sure what it is. Um, but when you hit them, they will cause splash damage, which is quite fun. So if you manage to time it just right and hit it as a uh, another player is going through, it will blast them into the side of the wall, which is quite fun. Um, but the the main one I think you see right at the start of the CQC trailer is like a big cylinder, and that has kind of got some kind of fusion reactor type thing in the middle, uh, which is where the capture the flag. Uh, beacon, if you will, is housed. So uh, they don't really have names or anything yet, or purposes. I think they are designed specifically for the the purpose of uh, of the combat, you know, and getting that action going on. But there is a there is a change, isn't there, in the way the, the game, in some respects, has been developed in the direction of CQC. Mm-hmm. I remember in the early on discussions, um, it was very much about making Elite the game that Frontier wanted to make and i remember that talk of kind of ship-to-ship combat simulators or specific deathmatch zones was very much kind of you know said was never going to happen mm-hmm. um and you know what do we think this is is this a reaction to the different environment of the consoles and saying you need this sort of thing is it a reaction to the fact that they're now having to put stuff in the game that the wider player base, not necessarily the core elite fans, but mm. a wider player base are asking for. You know, what what do we think has brought about this change in the way, the direction that elite's taking? Well, one of the things that elite's got to do is it's got to show itself off on the console as the best that it can be. And one of the best things it does is ship to ship combat. Now, what's the best thing you can do with that? Well, I'd compare that back to Alpha 2. Remember the days we were all shooting around the asteroid fields, basically deathmatching each other? That was hilariously funny. Uh, And I think they've made a really good move by putting this in. Because there are times when you are sort of halfway across the galaxy and you think, oh, you know what, I could just do with shooting somebody. And, you know, it's going to be perfect to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was thinking that actually that was the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is I, I can go in the main game, I can go out, I can explore and be quite happy to know that if I want to get some action, it's just a button click away. I don't have to come all the way back for it. So that's a really important thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, other, the other thing to say is that I know that this has been released exclusively for the Xbox, but there'll be something along that will be released exclusively for the PlayStation 4, I reckon, when it comes along. It'll be something similar like racing. 
Well, it's exclusive for now, so it's just a timed thing. I mean, you know, hmm. there's not much time in it. It's it's a bit of a silly thing for it to be uh, such a controversy, wasn't it? Because it it kind of blew up for a, for a moment, and then everyone realised it. No, it's just timed for now. But now it's you, you get these things all the time. It's they, they I think they've made the right decision because they're targeting the sort of players that play that sort. Uh, you know, consoles. They're going to be more into the action and the PvP. This is exactly what they want to see. So they've made the right choice, I think. To get it out to that market, get those kind of players to test it, give them the feedback, tell them what's right, tell them what's god awful and wrong in it, and then uh, it will be tweaked and tuned. And when it comes back to PC, it'll be a better experience. So. Well, I know one thing for a fact: you won't get me involved in it on the Xbox. I've just rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the co- the controller is just doing my head in. And there you so go. that's after an hour and a half, Colin. That's, that's an not hour exactly and much a half staying power of of me trying my best with this blaster controller. I'll stick with it, but give me my X fifty five any day. <laughs> Well, just before we quickly wrap up on uh, CQC, I mean, it's interesting what you guys are saying about, you know, you want it to be separate from the universe. You don't want it to sort of have an impact. Um, I would quite like it to be in the universe to a certain degree. Now, before everybody sort of starts jumping up and down and throwing verbal abuse at me, uh, I don't want this to be sort of you go to the main menu in the same way that you choose solo or group play or or whatever, uh, and you choose CQC. I think that, to me, just sort of, it's a wasted opportunity. Why not have these big arenas at locations that people can go and visit them? So maybe you can't access them, but you can see them. They might be hovering next to Lave Station. There might be you know, a very famous arena right next to Lave Station that you can see as you fly towards Lave Station. It'll be all lit up and all billboards and everything else. You won't be able to access it, but you can see it in the horizon. Uh, and it forms part of the, you know, the Galnet news for that particular um star system you know keep it in there and keep it within the fiction of the universe and then to actually play it obviously either select it from the menu if that's the way they want to do it or select it from you know the station that you have to dock at the station and select you know arena match from there uh and then you get your different ship and everything like that but actually sort of make it more part of the actual game as opposed to sort of sticking it as a menu item that you just sort of have to sort of press and you're instantly transported into it yeah, I know what you mean. I was kind of hoping it would be more integrated in that way. I mean, maybe that, that's something they can do at a later date, but for now, they've, they've not really thought about that. Another thing that was brought up that people really wanted to see was some, some kind of spectator mode. I mean, what you've just said there is kind of the ultimate spectator mode that, you know, as long as you're not within a few kilometres of the uh, of the yeah. actual arena or something, it's like, oh, you can just sit there and watch sort of thing. <laughs> you know, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's probably down to, like, a networking thing, I think, is, is, is why they, they're not going to have any kind of support for that being in the real world as we see it, you know, for now, because it's it's six v six player combat. So I think they're they're working to try and get it as as lag free as possible and all that. So yeah, it's unfortunate. I would like to see that. Okay, well maybe further down the line, who knows what uh, what we'll see in the future. Um, anything else people want to touch on with CQC before we go to another advert and then into Lavecon. I, I suppose I should say, because uh, Colin's rather annoyed with me right now, I got to fly the Federal Fighter. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Go on, then, a quick, uh, a quick reveal on, on that. Oh, then. What's it like to handle? It is awesome. It is the quickest, nimblest ship in the game. It can stop on, and turn on 180 in, in a fraction of a second. It's so awesome to fly. It's really, really good fun. But it is 
even thinner and more paper-like than the Eagle. Uh, I mean, interestingly, what they've got in the moment, you've got the, the Federal Fighter, the Eagle, and the Sidewinder are the available ships. You've got a whole bunch of pre-existing loadouts. Um, the Sidewinder becomes like a tank class. It's insane because <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest ship in the mode, which is absolutely mad. But it is. It really is like a tank. Um, and you, you gain kind of XP and you unlock various uh, bonuses and things to get the equipment and stuff as you work through the classes. So, yeah, it's really, really great fun to jump in on that little nimble ship and work your way up to the uh, Sidewinder again. I mean, one of the things I'd like to see on that was, you know, the rating that you rate you get in that game. That could be another rating that's put on the side, so that every when people scan you and stuff, you can you can see that this person did very well uh, at GCQ. Uh oh, it, it is. It will be. <laughs> so you so have that, CQC yeah. champion and stuff. CQC elite. Yeah, exactly. It'll be. Oh, he's a champion. I am touching him. <laughs> <laughs> Does the because obviously I've not I don't have an Xbox One to, to look at it on. Does the um, CQC mode is there kind of support in there for tournament ladders or is there planned support for for tournament ladders and things like so? Like we've got the Fozzer group. Would you be able to organise your own like little tournament within a private group? Well, it, it's not on the Xbox One at the moment. I think it's launching next month for everyone on right. Xbox One. Uh, but they really do want to do that whole tournament thing. The guys building it have got their sights set on getting it to that level of esports style of gameplay. They really want people to get involved in it, have the tournaments and the, the mm. big battles and stuff like that. So they very much want that. Don't know whether that's going to be available first thing next month, but really want to see that, and they want to see it as well. One one final question to ask, Crash, and, and you and if it's NDA, just don't <laughs> don't say anything. But split screen, split screen oh. on the Xbox, is it going to be possible? Oh, I I don't even know that one actually. I don't think that's been asked. I mean, at the moment, it's running 1080p. They're getting a decent frame rate out of it. Um, I don't know whether the Xbox could handle running two concurrent instances of the of the engine, basically. But who knows? It would is, be good. Yeah, I mean, is Xbox generally a good platform? Because I'd have said of of all the platforms out there, my instinct would be that Xbox is the least supportive of same room multiplayer. Is that an outrageous yeah, statement? Well, no, I mean, they really want to push the Xbox Live thing, don't they? And they've got yeah. the whole kind of Connect cam, and you can Skype and everything. So they really want that kind of remote multiplayer stuff going on. So I don't know whether it's really on their radar or something they want to support. Um, but, I mean, I, I would like it. It would be fun to be able to bring someone around and just have a quick, you know, deathmatch and CQC or something like that. But uh, at the moment, I don't think it's even on the radar. So no. that, That's a shame, because I know my little lads are, oh, can we split the screen like in, like in uh, mm-hmm. Halo? Because yeah. uh, he basically wants to really kick my backside as well, <laughs> uh, elite dangerous, as well as beating me at elite minute. Well, at, obviously uh, the, the answer the to time. that then, Colin. The answer to that is that you need to buy him his own Xbox One and send him back up into his bedroom <laughs> so he can play in one room and you have to play downstairs. Oh, no, it is his Xbox One. I bought Elite Dangerous for him. <laughs> Just testing it. <laughs> awesome stuff. Okay, is everybody done with CQC? Excellent. Okay, Grant, give us an advert, and then after that we will come back and talk a little bit about LaveCon. Are you thinking of suing over missile Python protection insurance? Had an accident in an airlock or slipped in a space station cargo bay and thinking of suing for compensation? Well, don't. I tried to take my ship commander to court for making fertiliser out of my crewmates. Legal fees have left me with nothing, and now I'm hungry. All the time. 
At Wharton Pritney, we take small print very seriously. We have a massive team of lawyers just waiting to block your case and ramp up your legal costs. I wanted a simple, no-win, no-fee arrangement. My case got blown out of the water by Watt and Pritney, and now I have to rent out my arse for hydrogen fuel. At Watt and Pritney, we have a saying. If you don't want a beating, stay out of our court. I was savaged by a wild creature whilst fixing a vending machine. Can't I claim compensation? No, you can't. Because we have a massive team of lawyers, and you're just someone who works for a living. Watt and Pritney. Don't even think about it. Okay, um, the last section of the podcast for this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about LaveCon. Obviously, LaveCon is only ooh, less than a month away now, guys. Uh, everybody's getting very excited about it. The uh, draft timetable, the main line, the, the the main timetable is now actually released, so we know exactly what's going on and when it's going on. So we thought we'd just spend uh, ten, fifteen minutes going through some of our highlights, some of the stuff that we're looking forward to, some of the stuff that we'll obviously be taking charge of in some of the rooms, and some of the stuff that we won't be that we want to get involved with and join up with. So um, I'm going to kick it off because uh, I'm going to get in here first and say that the one thing that I am looking forward to because in all the LaveCons past has been one of the great sections, and that is the Q&A from Frontier. Now, off the top of people's heads, do we know exactly who is going to be presenting themselves for the Q&A session? Obviously, we've got Mr. Brooks is going to be there, and the wonderful Michael Evans is going to be there. Who else is confirmed, do we know? I'm not sure Michael Evans has confirmed. Um, there was, I thought there was a, a petition for him to actually turn up on the on the forums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think well, Sarah Gina Avery's going to be there. Um, oh, I was going to say who's the who's the one that's the writer? Yeah, um, that's Sarah Jane Avery. I've, yeah, I don't want to say about Mike Evans. I think there was there was talk about him wanting to come just. Just to come, <laughs> he, he's only he's only allowed to come if he brings his big wooden spoon. <laughs> Has he still got? Um, I think so. Yeah. Well, I, there, there's been there's certainly been. I'm not going to say anything to to confirm or, or deny that he's coming, but there's certainly been some talk on the emails around uh, uh, what he's doing. So, with any luck, he will uh, he will be there because he's always uh, he's always good for the Q and A sessions. Probably because. He's a little bit... Um, he just says how it is, really. That's the wonderful thing about Mike Evans, that we have to be very careful when we actually record him for the podcast because he is very prone to just saying it how it is, um, which is great for the people in the room, but not so great for, for Frontier when it goes back. So, uh, we, as always, it's all be a joy to have uh, have Mike Evans there, if he can possibly make it. But Sarah Jane Avery, am I right in thinking that... Um, obviously, she's a writer, but she also was the one that was um, responsible for Z-Wolf back on the uh, Amiga. Is that the same person no yeah she created z wolf i'm pr- i'm pretty sure yeah can we confirm an- or deny that if that's true that's annoying because now i'm going to be meeting her as a massive fanboy <laughs> rather, than, rather than as someone that can just kind of show up and be really cool and be like oh hi you know hi sojourn yeah it's nice to meet you now i'm going to be all like oh my god you made z wolf <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Do you think they have awkward moments where David Braben just leans over her desk and says, "You do know that uh, Z Wolf was just a uh, massive steal of virus, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm being harsh. Z Wolf was. I loved Z Wolf. I loved Z Wolf. I thought it was a great game. I really did. It was uh, one of my favourite games of the Amiga. To be fair, uh, doesn't get enough love, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'm. 
you guys uh, pick it up and talk about uh, Jarvis. You pick it up and say what sort of stuff you're looking forward to. I'm going to hit Google and try and find out whether it's uh, whether well, or not it's Google. True. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a few things I'm looking forward to on on LaveCon. Um, I'm looking forward to Julian Gollop being there. Uh, very much because again I have to avoid coming across like a massive fanboy uh, Julian Gollop because you know the guy the guy created the, did the original UFO uh, and he did Laser Squad and he actually did what what remains my favourite game on the 3DS which is actually a 3DS launch title and I still haven't had one I like more and that's the um, turn based Ghost Recon game absolutely love it uh, and that was you know, that, that was his work. Um, I think in terms of an activity, if there's something that's going on that I really want, because I don't know how much time any of us are going to have for actually doing stuff, um, I definitely want us all to be able to sit down and do Artemis at some point, um, because Artemis just looks hilarious. And I think if we can somehow find time to do a lave crew Artemis <laughs> crew, I think it would be genuinely very, very funny. Okay, have we just to check? Have we covered Artemis on the podcast before? Everybody that's listening knows what uh, Artemis actually is. We we've mentioned it last it, week. We we went into, yeah, with, with John, we went into a great deal of depth last week, uh, and uh, I must admit, even though I'm not going to be there, if you lot are going to record it, I really would like to have a laugh. <laughs> yeah, Bugsy, I'm not wearing the red shirt for that particular session. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, that, that, that looks really fun. Um, I think there's some really, I think there's some really interesting panels this time. I think we'll get some really good discussion going, um, and um, and of course, Chaos Reborn tournament, which again, yeah, sorry, definitely, Julian Gollop related thing. But um, again, I don't think, I really doubt I'm going to get the chance to actually take part in it. But um, I'm just really pleased it's happening. <laughs> it's a game that needs a lot more love, um, and I'm very excited about the fact that I think the um, Hopefully, there's some of the single-player RPG content's coming soon, because I'm a bit of a sucker for that sort of thing. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, Crash, what are you looking forward to? And don't say your personal stream. That would, that would be too sad. <laughs> no, I was just looking at that. I was thinking, I really can't say that. That would be sad. No, uh, <laughs> no the Q&A, definitely, that's going to be really, really awesome to, uh, to see all the guys answer the questions and everything. Uh, but, you know, just, just meeting everyone. I really enjoy coming to these events and seeing everyone again. It's nice to see familiar faces and everything. Um, hoping I get a chance to play the Elite RPG. I really, really enjoyed that uh, up at Elite Meet. That was great fun. And, uh, yeah, just generally, just catching up, sharing stories. It's going to be great fun. Well, I wonder, obviously, uh, we, we can't confirm or deny that uh, Frontier are going to do this, but certainly at the last LaveCon, they did bring their one of their demo rigs, which was a massive, mm. massive uh, piece of machinery that took two of them to actually carry it into the into the main room uh, with big, big-ass monitors as well. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of hardware Frontier are planning to bring along, because obviously this time there's the possibility that they can grab some Xbox Ones for those of us that uh, don't have Xbox Ones, and, you know, some people can probably try out a bit of CQC for the first time. Ooh, squee! <laughs> Possibly even if we get our acts together, we might even be able to organise some sort of CQC tournament, oh, uh, yeah. which nobody's thought of doing until just now. So we'll probably have to get our skates on and try and organise that pretty pronto, but that could be quite a quite a cool thing to have at LaveCon. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll be uh, banned from that particular oh. tournament, John. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Um, but no, these things are always great, and uh, we'll be setting up a retro lave um, uh, session again. Uh, there'll be the, the the tournament for who can uh, who can actually 
Doc, the original, I think probably go for the BBC or maybe the Amiga version of the original Elite in the Fastest Time. Um, we'll have a, a score, yeah, a scoreboard wow. on that. At last year's last year debacle with Michael Brooks just proves that it's uh, it's very hard, even for the people that are working on the latest game. So uh, we should have that. Um, we've obviously got the Midnight Dockers and the Late Night Podcasts. Uh, that was always hilarious, uh, especially after you've had a few uh, a few too many to drink. Uh, Grant, what have you got planned for that one? Oh, I couldn't possibly say. We have... Well, <laughs> I thought episode six was bad, but... Uh... <laughs> You can expect well probably the exact same jokes that we've had in every episode to date, <laughs> plus some new ones that take it to the all-time low that you'd uh, never think we'd go to. <laughs> awesome stuff. Okay. Well, well there's um, one thing. There's one thing I'm really, uh, really excited about for this LaveCon, and it's not an event as such or anything that we're putting on, but. It's the inclusion of a T-loop system in the main room so that anybody with hearing aids will be able to pick up and listen to the talks or whatever whatever's on the stage. They'll be able to hear it through the T-loop system. And after testing it last weekend, I am so excited to sort of have that inclusion for people who might otherwise not be able to enjoy it the way that they should so I am really excited about that really excited about the the inclusion of people with hearing aids that they're going to be able to enjoy this better than they would have last year great stuff um, that's fantastic Grant I know you've been working really hard on that so uh, fair play to you that's going to be a great addition to the actual programme um, <laughs> speaking about great additions to the programme this one's a little bit off the wall uh, and one that I knew nothing about uh, until the last couple of weeks uh, and that is obviously this is weather dependent but this one is Jugger now for those of us that haven't been doing things like the, the, the live role playing or the cosplay or anything like that Jugger has been described as a cross between um, rugby and, um, well, basically battle reenactments. You've got uh, people with weapons. Obviously, these are the foam cosplay weapons. Uh, and the idea is to get from one side of the pitch to the other and uh, deposit a, a flag or something similar. I don't entirely know all the rules, but if you look Jugger up on, the, uh, on YouTube, you will see it looks absolutely bizarre. People with... You know, flails and shields and swords all basically running into each other. And stuff. I, I'm definitely up for, uh, for giving that one a go. Uh, and I think we should definitely have a Lave radio team versus the rest uh, after we've had a little bit of training, a little bit of practice on that one. What do you reckon? I'm being quiet because I've played Jugger, so... I'm not okay, well, great. If you play Juggers, <laughs> maybe you can give us a better description of what the game actually involves as it's opposed really, to mine. It's really good fun. If, if you were to describe it in another thing, you would call it a, um, a, a like a, a class-based team sports. So it's a bit. So it's a bit like a sort of. I think it's six on six. I can't. It has been a while since I played it. But you essentially have one person with the, who can pick up the ball that is unarmed. You have a couple of guys with swords a couple of guys with pole arms and i think maybe one or two with just a shield and no weapon i'm trying to think so it's a bit like and you you can't exchange weapons and and depending on which kind of team role you are you're quite restricted in what you can do so it's quite a strategic game and it's a bit like you know if you if you don't have a sort of 
laugh background. It's a bit like a cross between rugby and like British Bulldog. Ah, oh, awesome. In the sense that, so what quite often happens is because you only take, a, I think a couple of the people can take two hits, but generally once you take a hit, you're out. So it's quite a strategic game because you have to work out which minor players to sacrifice so that the guy with the, the one with the ball gets a chance to make a run into the kind of end zone. But um, but yeah, but once you know, once you've been tagged, you're kind of out. And then um, so it's quite often ends up with I've, I think well last time I played it, there was just me the other runner. And we each had a shield guy still defending us. And the ball, the ball was on the ground. I say ball; it was a skull. Um, <laughs> and it was, yeah. It's just a, it's it's an interesting game. An interesting game. Okay, cool. I still maintain that we definitely need to have a lay radio team versus the rest uh, before the end of the weekend. It's a great that jug is a great way for middle-aged people to suddenly pick up sports injuries. <laughs> 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 okay well um obviously LaveCon 2015 is the 11th and 12th of july uh you can get tickets on the door they are still tickets available i know the hotel is completely sold out which is superb it means it's going to be very very busy uh there are a few hotels round and about that still have rooms but uh, if you want to come down to northampton if you want to come to LaveCon, uh it's going to be a very mixed affair but i can guarantee you uh having been to the last two of these things the people that you meet there uh, are are going to be superb and the, the time you're going to have is going to be absolutely awesome so uh, bear it in mind uh, with that just do another quick shout out uh, Uncle Art who we've mentioned on the show quite a few times in the past in terms of Kickstarters um, I'm sure you guys mentioned last week that he has uh, restarted the Kickstarter I think this is the third time we've restarted it but the good news is this time it is going much much better they've come back they're more organised they know exactly what they're doing with all their rewards it's been well publicised and uh, as of just checking they have got 18 days left to go and they are well over halfway they've got 13,835 now obviously the, the the cherry on the cake for this kickstarter is that uh, if they if they manage to succeed they are going to do a live studio recording with a full orchestra i think it is the chamber orchestra of london and they're going to do a, studio, a full studio recording of the frontier elite 2 uh, main theme which i think we can all agree we would love to hear um that as a particular track and you know hear it on classic fm and stuff which is what they're trying to do so if you haven't backed uncle art just go to uh google and google uncle art kickstarter and that will uh take you straight there um it's a great project let's make sure this time third time lucky they get over the line and we can actually get that recording they were so um, close last time as well. They were so close. It was it was such a shame. Um, but it, it's a great project. I can't wait to hear what he comes up with. He's such a talented guy. And if you've ever played Amiga or Spectrum, if you look at the you know the back catalogue of this guy's work, you know you will have listened to his music all the way through playing those games. You really will. Okay. Uh, anybody else got anything else they want to add to this particular episode, or are we all done? I just want to bitch and whine about Batman Arkham Knight and what terrible <laughs> job they've done on the PC port. Okay, you've got five minutes. Tell us no. about it. Uh... <laughs> just, just, just go on Steam and look at people's reaction to the release of Batman Arkham Knight. It's, it's just, it's, it's just a massive AAA train wreck of a release. Just, just, just look. It's just, ah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I think, I think we need a Comodian rant. <laughs> yeah, possibly. 
Okay, well, I'm gonna let's just let's just put the lid back on Chris for a second there and go. Um, <laughs> that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fozzer One Hundred One to your Skype contacts, or you can join our Teamspeak server where commanders come and hang out and talk about stuff involving elite. That's laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Uh, thank you very much to John, to Grant, to Colin, and to Chris for joining me in the Orange Sidewinder this evening. Until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Two seconds, I'll be right back.